0: and welcome to the fun kids bookworms podcast my name is bex and today we've got a lot of stuff to get through we've got our book of the month we've got some book recommendations we've got a voice note from an amazing author and we've got a chat with some pretty brilliant writers so let's get straight to it shall we First up, it's an interview I did recently with Matthew Syed and Kathy Weeks, authors of the brand new book, What Do You Think? All right, then. I am joined now by authors Matthew Syed and Kathy Weeks. Hey, guys. How you doing?
1: Hi. Great to be here. How are you?
0: Very good. Yeah, really excited. Oh, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Now, um, I have read What Do You Think? And I'm, I'm not a natural arguer, I'll put it politely like that. Uh, and I found this book fascinating. But first of all, we need to start off by saying, uh, Matthew, your dad sounds like a right character.
1: Oh, he was a character, I've got to tell you. I'm so sorry that he uh, passed away last year, but what a guy. He grew up in India in the Raj. Uh, mm-hmm. and then he moved to Pakistan. And then he came to England. And he met my mum. He was an amazing guy because obviously he had grown up in a different culture. He had such interesting ideas about the world. And whenever we used to discuss anything at home, he loved it. He loved it when we would debate and argue, but he wanted us to argue in a respectful way so we didn't fall out and get upset with each other. Mm-hmm. And that made a big impression on me because I think... It's a really good thing to have opinions, to express them and to listen to other people and you learn from them and they learn from you. Debate and discussion, wonderful things.
0: Yeah, debate is something. So I was uh, I was in my school debate club, but I was never the best at it because I found it quite tricky. But then you've given some lovely tips in your book. I think there's a difference between having, let's say, a, a good argument and an argument you win, perhaps. There's different ways of um, of having those conversations. What were your thoughts when you were writing? What's a good way to have a debate?
1: You know, sometimes when you disagree, you can sometimes think the other person is stupid. I think that it's worth sometimes reflecting on the fact that people can sometimes disagree. It doesn't mean they're a bad person. And what my dad used to do is sometimes when we were arguing about politics or something like that, he would ask me to take the position of my brother's point of view. Mm. So in other words, you're arguing the case that you actually disagree with. It really made an impression on me. But God, on, Cathy, what's, what, what's your thought?
2: I think it's really important to see debate as an opportunity to learn something and not to see it as something that you have to win. There isn't necessarily a winner, because I think that's what can lead people to get really nasty to each other quite quickly and start hurling personal insults whereas if you stick to thinking hang on a minute this person might have an insight or they might know something that I don't and you frame it in that way I think it can be a really brilliant opportunity.
1: I typically lose the debates with Cathy there is often a winner and a loser or the pudding last night I wanted to have the pecan pie and you, you grabbed it didn't you?
0: Not sure that's <laughs> quite how I remember it. <laughs> Guys, this is how to have a bad argument. I will be asking more about that pecan pie later on, obviously. That's going to be my my main question later. I, I did actually read a bit about the Warren Buffett thing as well. I think you guys mentioned in the book, he's a very, very rich, wealthy man. He has lots of businesses. And before he buys a business, he gets two people to give a point of view on it, a good point of view and a bad point of view. And they have to convince him which which way he should fall on it. Now, what would you say to those people who are arguing for him?
2: I did a job that would be very similar to one of the advisors that Warren might employ. And the thing is, if you are looking for reasons to do something and you only have one set of people advising you, getting paid, only if you go ahead, then you're likely to get a very, very single set of advice. And you might not hear all of the other reasons on the opposite side of why you shouldn't buy the business. And so what he does is he employs two sets, one to tell him the good stuff, one to tell him the bad stuff. So then he's got all the information both sides of the argument, and then really can make a really great decision. And that's a brilliant idea. Obviously, we never did that when I worked One of the reasons this is
1: a really good thing is you can often get sucked into an echo chamber. You know, Mm -hmm. if there's a very powerful, rich person who says, I'm thinking of buying this particular company, everyone says, oh, what a good idea. It's a fantastic (laughs) company because they want to be liked by the powerful person. Or sometimes on the internet, we can get stuck with other people who agree with us, because it's nice when people are telling us things that we already endorse. When we actively make the attempt to hear the things with which we disagree, it often opens us to new kinds of information that we can shut out in different ways.
0: Yeah. Now, this is something you mentioned in the book, the idea of an echo chamber of only hearing stuff that you like hearing, basically. Uh, and of course, that happens a lot on social media. So uh, I was wondering, Kathy, do you have any top tips on how to kind of test social media or look out for fake news, that kind of thing?
2: It's really, really nice to hear the opinions and thoughts of people that agree with us. Matthew Syed loves wearing a tracksuit and he really <laughs> likes it when people say they like his tracksuit. It's nice, you know, it's comfortable. It kind of makes us feel good. But the problem is if we don't hear other points of view, like maybe those tracksuits really from the 1980s, you might never update your fashion sense or your wardrobe. <laughs> and therefore you can be stuck with an opinion which might not be quite Right. And as Matthew said, that happens a lot on the internet because there's so much information out there. So I think it's always good to be aware that social media platforms are coded in that way. So that's what they do to keep yourself grounded. Talk to your friends in the playground, hear the opinions of your parents, your teachers, people from different uh, clubs you might go to, different backgrounds to you. So you're really trying to widen and broaden the perspective that you have all the time. And how about you, Matthew?
1: Well, I I do think, you know, there's some times where you want to hang out with people who think in the same way. Like I used to be, believe it or not, and I know this is a bit odd, but I used to be a table tennis player. (laughs) I was actually, I was actually about 2 million years ago, the British number one at table tennis. So I used to like hanging out with other people who liked playing table tennis because we could talk about it and we could share information and we could watch videos together. Wonderful, wonderful thing. But the thing is, if in a different situation, If you're learning about politics, for example, and you only talk to people with whom you already agree, and you'll shut yourself off from people with whom you disagree, you might be shutting out different points of view, different types of information, new ideas, uh, new evidence, and that can be quite dangerous. So I think echo chambers are good in some situations, but really, really bad in others.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I know on social media, I do follow people who maybe have different points of view to me, but I was like, I think I need that. I think mm. I need to have that in my life just to make sure that I'm not kind of thinking I'm right all the time because because I'm probably not. Let's face it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it's so true. And it's so easy to do, isn't it? It's so easy to fall in the trap because the other thing that happens is we develop friendships with people who agree with us. So it becomes quite tribal. And I think that can be dangerous. But you know, the most important thing of all is the more I think we... Um, listen to other points of view we courageously evaluate them we express our own opinions we build confidence we build resilience we have a much more interesting life you know what worries me is if we only ever listen to people with whom we, dis- with whom we agree every now and again we're inevitably going to talk to people with whom we disagree and then what are we going to do we're going to find it much more difficult to engage in the real world and I think kids who have the confidence to, to open themselves up to to, to to challenging viewpoints they just have a much happier and better life
0: oh for sure and i think also it's really important as you mentioned in the book uh to look out for fake news and stuff that's out there that um isn't necessarily true but has an air of confidence about it so what would you say to our listeners who are maybe reading stuff online or reading articles and how to test whether or not it's true uh kathy do you have any tips
2: Yeah, well, and, you know, I think this is not easy because it's very, 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 um, online. It's very easy for people to present things, um, as though they're entirely true when maybe they're not. Um, I mean, it, it happened um really recently um at the G20 conference where all of the political leaders are, are meeting. The uh the Russian guy, Sergei Lavrov, he was said to be in hospital. Um the Indonesian government said he was, he said he wasn't. Now what's true? And that's online and it's difficult to know. Um so What you want to be able to do really is see if you can check your sources, see whether you can see the information from lots of different places, corroborate, that's what they say, don't they, in in history uh, lessons, corroborate your sources, or they used to when I was at school. Um, (laughs) So see if you can find that same information, you know, ask your parents, ask people at school, ask the teachers, what do you think about this? Do we think that's true? Um, And be able to think critically, does it look like that? that makes sense to me. Does it look like that might be something that somebody might be using to to change my opinion or to make me think in a different way? Is it right? Can I see that other people
0: think the same? And also, I guess, not jumping to conclusions, which is something that um, Matthew mentioned one of your teachers does as well, or did in, in, when you were younger.
1: Although I have to say also, can I mention my t- our two kids, Teddy and Evie? Um, Teddy is eight. He's about to turn nine. Evie is 10. And occasionally, and they're going to be listening to this. <laughs> go, this is one of their favorite radio stations, yes. Fun Kids. They love it. That's one thing we discuss a lot in the car, I've got to tell you, because I'm like, I want to have Magic FM, no. which I used to listen Ooh. to in the 1980s. And they go, no, Fun Kids, Fun Kids. But then the amazing thing is Fun Kids are all, it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> the music's fantastic. The kids know all the work. Can you tell me something? How is it that an eight- and a ten-year-old, they know the lyrics to sing, It's almost every Ed Sheeran song. And they have only heard them about three times each. They're suddenly belting it out. I turn the sound down, and it, you know, they carry on singing in the gut. But occasionally, Evie and Teddy, you jump to conclusions. And I, I'm, I'm going to look at you as I'm saying this. You're nodding your head. Whereas <laughs> the really sensible thing is not to jump to conclusions about other people. Just because of the way somebody looks... It doesn't mean you can tell what they think. It's good to know people as individuals to find out who they are personally. And I've got to be fair to Eddie Teddy and TV. <laughs> Teddy and Evie, they've got much better at that. And I've got to tell you, they're a joy to, to be a that. to.
0: Well, I don't doubt it. If they're Fun Kids listeners, of course they are. That's That <laughs> makes perfect sense to me, of course. Uh, no, I did, I did love the book. And I have to say, it, it's, you've got two other books that came out previously, uh, You Are Awesome and Dare to Be You. Are you basically moulding... Uh, a group of kids who are going to speak their mind and and speak the truth and also question the world a little bit?
1: For me, you know, I I lacked confidence when I was a bit younger. And, you know, I wanted to write a book, Kathy and I, which gave kids real confidence to go out and try things and to take sensible risks to learn from their failures, because we all make failures. No matter how great we are, we'll fail from time to time. Don't always try to look perfect because if you want to look perfect, you'll never try new things because when you try new things, you're going to mess up from time to time. So my books are really about giving young people that confidence, that resilience, drive, and that kind of... You know, let's think of the, the name of the radio station, Fun. Life is about having fun. I think you have more fun when you've got that confidence.
0: Oh, 100%. I honestly wish I had this book when I was a kid. Like I said, that debate club would have been very different indeed. I maybe would have won a few arguments. Well, guys, thank you so much for chatting to me. What do you think is out now? It's a perfect book if you're feeling a little less confident, maybe and want to learn how to have a few more debates uh, in a healthy and good way, and maybe just maybe change people's minds a little bit. Uh, So thank you so much for talking to us all about it lovely stuff thank you so much to matthew and kathy they were so fun to chat to now i've decided to make saving neverland our fun kids book of the month it's written by abby elphinstone who's a prolific author she's had loads of books out there and i am very very excited to chat to her about the new book very soon indeed but before i get a chance to she sent me a voice note explaining a little bit more about the book and a reading as well i'm so
3: excited to tell you about my brand new book You may know a story about a boy called Peter Pan who lives in Neverland with pirates and mermaids and who vows never to grow up. Well, I've borrowed this boy and his arch nemesis, Captain Hook, and I've written them into a brand new adventure called Saving Neverland. Saving Neverland is the story of Martha Pennydrop, who is 10 years old and desperate to grow up. But growing up is a tricky business. It means turning your back on imagination, fun and magic because those were the things that led to the terrible day when something awful nearly happened to Martha's younger brother, Scruff, which would have been all her fault. But then Martha and Scruff discover a drawer full of mysterious gold dust in the bedroom of their new house, along with a window that's seemingly impossible to close, and it's the start of an incredible adventure to a magical world, Neverland. The Penny Drop's new house used to belong to another family, the Darlings, who once visited this world themselves. Now Peter Pan is back and in need of their help. Neverland is in the icy grip of a terrible curse cast long ago by Captain Hook, and only Martha and Scruff can save it. Martha and Scruff are swept off to snowbound Neverland and into the company of the Lost Kids and a woolly mammoth called Armageddon. But when Scruff is kidnapped, Martha must rediscover all the imagination magic and belief she has buried deep inside herself for so long to save her brother and Neverland itself. Saving Neverland is a story about frost bears, moonpaper maps and gulper whales, enormous whales studded with stardust who let you ride for hours in their open mouths. But it's also a story about what it means to be young and fearless and full of hope. I'm going to read to you from Saving Neverland. I'm going to read the opening So here we go. Chapter 1. Number 14, Darlington Road in Bloomsbury, London, looks like a perfectly ordinary townhouse. At first glance, anyway. It is tall and thin, with three rows of windows and a blue door with a brass knocker. Almost an exact copy of the terraced houses either side of it. And yet, if you were to linger a while outside number 14, you would notice that one of the top floor windows the one with the white cotton curtains billowing in the breeze, is never shut. Even on the coldest winter nights, when frost clings to the rooftops and the air swirls with snow, you will find this particular window wide open. Had ten-year-old Martha Pennydrop known there was something strange about this window when her family moved into the house a few weeks ago, I very much doubt she would have chosen the room beyond it as her bedroom. But if it had been at the start of the summer holidays when nights are warm and bedroom windows are often left open. So she wasn't aware that this one was impossible to shut and that it had been that way for over a hundred years. And she certainly wasn't aware that magic was involved because until the mischief kicks in, magic looks remarkably innocent.
0: Thank you very much to Abby. I can't wait to talk to her all about Saving Neverland. And now there's loads of amazing recommendations of books I've got to tell you about, including Explorers of Stardust City by Alex Bell. It looks like a really magical adventure with the gang on a race against time. There's also The Circle Breakers from Patience Agbarbi, who I've interviewed here at Fun Kids before, and her books are always brilliant. In her brand new one, 14-year-old Elle and her friends are going to a not-to-be-missed fun fair, but a ride on the ghost train takes them further than they ever imagined and they end up in 1880 which is let's face it not really where they probably wanted to end up but there you go so yeah if you're looking for brand new books the circle breakers and explorers of stardust city are the ones to check out uh we'll be back super soon on fun kids with some more festive books for you in the run-up to Christmas but in the meantime thank you very much to Abby Elphinstone, Matthew Syed and Kathy Weeks. I'm back super soon remember to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast wherever it is you follow it. Bye! All right um it's got some amazingly pink and white flowers. The leaves look quite kind of like um kind of furry you know what I mean? It's a warm spring day
2: in late March and ever since the leaves have started to come out Roby Jo has been wondering
0: why some trees lose their leaves and some don't. And also, like, how the trees know when it's time to shed their leaves. To find out, join us
2: on The Conversation's Curious Kids wherever you get your podcasts.